This is Change for Your Dollar podcast with John Putnam. We have another great episode today of Change for Your Dollar, where we have conversations and talk about the blessings and burdens around money and faith and life. I'm your host, John Putnam. Hey, everybody. I hope you're doing well. It's great to be back with you again. Have something really special to share with you today, and I hope you're enjoying Change for Your Dollar. And if you are, you know, I ask you, will you share it with a friend or a family member or a coworker? Invite them in if you believe that this will help bless them and encourage them in their financial journey. Guys, you know that money is the number one competitor to God. We all wrestle with this. Whatever level of income you have, whether you're dealing with scarcity or stability or abundance, money plays a role in our lives. And if we're not careful, it can get between us and God. And that's what I want to try to do in change for your dollar. So please share it with someone that you know and care about and invite them into the conversation. Well, today I want to share something with you. We all have favorite books or a favorite song or a favorite movie, but I also have a favorite poem. And I want to start our conversation today with this poem that's going to set up a conversation of three unique characteristics of money and how that influences our day-to-day lives. Here is the poem, The Station, by Robert Hastings. Tucked away in our subconscious is an idyllic vision. We are traveling by train. Out the windows, we drink in the passing scenes of children waving at a crossing. Cattle grazing on a distant hillside. Row upon row of corn and wheat. Flatlands and valleys, mountains and rolling hillsides and city skylines. But uppermost in our minds is the final destination. On a certain day, we will pull into the station. Bands will be playing and flags waving. Once we get there, our dreams will come true and the pieces of our lives will fit together like a completed jigsaw puzzle. Restlessly, we pace the aisles, damning the minutes, waiting, waiting, waiting for the station. When we reach the station, that will be it, we cry. When I'm 18, when I buy a new 450 SL Mercedes Benz, when I put the last kid through college, when I have paid off the mortgage, when I get a promotion. When I reach retirement, I shall live happily ever after. Sooner or later, we realize there is no station, no one place to arrive. The true joy of life is the trip. The station is only a dream. It constantly outdistances us. Relish the moment is a good motto. It isn't the burdens of today that drive people mad. It is the regrets over yesterday and the fear of tomorrow. Regret and fear are twin thieves who rob us of today. Regret is reality after the facts. So 
Stop pacing the aisles and counting the miles. Instead, climb more mountains, eat more ice cream, go barefoot more often, swim more rivers, watch more sunsets, laugh more, cry less. Life must be lived as we go along. The station will come soon enough. That is the poem called The Station by Robert J. Hastings. I love the picture that Hastings paints in that poem, in that story of the station. This idea that we're always looking for the future and we just don't pay the attention we need to pay to the present. And if you've read my book, He Spends, She Spends, that is a very important part that I develop around the idea of the influences of our past, the influences of our future, our beliefs and behaviors, our perspective of God, and how that affects our present day. Because that's the only time right now, right here, that we have to live out our faith, to love God and love others with passion and focus and faithfulness. In the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, reads, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I love the way that scripture sets a early tone thousands of years before the station was ever written. Because when I think about this scripture and I think about the station, I believe part of the core message of both is this idea of being of one mind, of being present, of course, looking out for our own interests, but also for the interests of others. And when does that happen? It happens today, right now, right here, this moment. And money, with its unique characteristics, is an easy distraction away from today, but it's also a powerful tool that can be used today on our journey. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you may remember me sharing about a minister friend of mine when Ken challenged me to think about how do I use my practice as a ministry, and it wouldn't leave me alone. And as I started learning about faith and finances and life planning, one of the initial thoughts or paradigms that really captured my attention were these three unique characteristics of money. Characteristic number one is that money is a tool that reveals our heart. I talk a lot about heart when I am speaking or in my church workshops, but I went back to Miriam 
Webster, the good old dictionary resource, and looked up a definition of heart. I haven't really looked it up this way before. And it said something really interesting. It said that the heart represents one's innermost character and feelings, that it is the central, most vital part of someone. Well, if that's true, no wonder Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. But when I think about the Philippians 2, 1 through 5 verses, it makes me think, what if all of our financial hearts were like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind? When I hear that, it makes me think about two people in agreement. Two people aware of what they are facing, aware of the opportunities, aware of the problems, yet choosing to agree. And not just necessarily two people here, but I think about me and God. What does that agreement look like? What does my heart look like? Is it like-minded to God's own heart, having his same love? being of one accord, of one mind with him when it comes to my financial resources. That's why money is a tool that reveals our heart. Characteristic number two is that money is a test that reveals our character. Well, back to good old Merriam-Webster dictionary. I looked it up and it shared that Character is our moral excellence and firmness. Have you ever heard the idea or the comment that character is what you do when no one else is looking? So think about this from a financial perspective. What if your financial character allowed nothing to be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, esteem others better than yourself. If we all did that with our financial resources, wouldn't the world be an incredible place? But it also happens relationally as well. A friend once told me that every marriage works best when it's 40% about me and 60% about my spouse. And the same is true with a friend or a coworker or even a stranger. When you view others as more important than yourselves, and then that puts you in a specific mindset, a specific heart set, a specific character set that puts you in the best possible position to be of one mind with God. See, that kind of character is revealed when you decide to do the right thing, even when no one is watching. That's why I love this idea of the characteristic that money is a test that reveals our character. And then the third characteristic is that money is a testimony that reveals our beliefs. And back to the dictionary, 
Beliefs were defined as something accepted, something considered to be true, an opinion, a conviction of truth. Well, what if your financial beliefs were solely focused not only for our own interests, but also for the interests of others, that you believed, you accepted that, you considered that to be true, that that was a conviction that that was what was best, and that the mind that is in you, that you believe that it's the same mind which was also in Christ Jesus. And finally, you were able to keep your mind and believe the things that Christ's mind is on that are true, that they are acceptable, and there is a conviction around them, right? That humble spirit, that lowly-mindedness, and really, and get this, overly concerned of the needs of others, not overly concerned in a bad way, overly concerned in the best possible way, thinking more of others than you do of yourselves. And that not only includes people we don't know, but people in your own household, your spouse, if you're married, your children, if you have them, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors. Think about the opportunity that if we held our financial beliefs, not only for our own interests, but also for the interests of others, reflecting the mind of Christ. Imagine what that could do to your own life and the ripple effects of those around you. All of these are perspectives of a type of financial present living, a perspective of financial unity between you and God, that these financial characteristics, the only time they can be lived out is right here, right now. Like Hastings said, let's don't wait till we get to this perceived station in the future. It never comes. The real joy is in the journey. That's when we get to use these. That's what the scripture was encouraging in Philippians 2, 1 through 5. Pray that you rest today in the fact that God has a plan for you and your money that is consistent with his heart his character, and his beliefs. And I pray that you would feel this and pursue this to be manifested every day, every moment in your life, at work, at home, in your relationships, in your marriages, in your parenting, that you would feel his comfort of love, his fellowship of the Spirit, his affection and mercy as you fulfill his joy. You've been listening to Change For Your Dollar podcast with John Putnam. Thank you for joining me for Change For Your Dollar, where we have real conversations exploring the burdens and blessings around money, faith, and life. For more tools and resources, please visit changeforyourdollar.com. I'm John Putnam. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to being with you again next time.